Hey there, this is Ken Bringus, the lead pastor at New Life Foursquare Church, and this is our podcast. I hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the message today, and if you like what you hear, come and visit us at one of our two campuses, Norwalk and Harbor City, California, at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. Or check us out at our website for more information. In this episode, our church is wrapping up a few days of vacation Bible school for our kids, and the theme was shipwrecked, rescued by Jesus. So the message you're about to hear is keyed right to that theme. Enjoy it and be blessed. This theme shipwrecked, and uh, if you think about it, it's kind of an intense theme for kids, right? Because when we think about, when we use the term as adults, shipwrecked, as a figurative speech, like a metaphor for what happened to somebody's life, you don't go, oh man, your life is shipwrecked, right? You don't say that. You use the word shipwrecked when things are really, really bad, when your world has fallen apart, when you feel stuck, stranded, and you could, your life could be in a very dangerous place. You say shipwrecked, and usually people who are shipwrecked, to extend the metaphor, right, when you're shipwrecked on a desert island or whatever or in the middle of the ocean, you are only thinking about what? How to survive. And so... It's kind of an intense theme for a VBS when I was thinking about it. Shipwrecked, like, oh my goodness, how do we survive the wreckage, right? It's kind of what the Lakers have been doing these past several years. <laughs> They've been surviving the wreckage of very bad leadership, right? Losing a coach, losing these players. You know, LeBron, I mean, we can all connect. But we know that rescue is coming. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's good news. <laughs> so... And you're going, no, that's not quite where I am. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe there's someone in your family that you could say this describes them. They are shipwrecked. So today's message is really to both, both groups. Is that not only does Jesus come to rescue you when your life is wrecked and stranded, but Jesus also wants to use you to rescue other people whose lives are stranded. All right, so I want you to, to look at this passage with me. This is the same passage that the kids are studying today. It's in the book of Acts chapter 3. And the thought I want you to wrap your, your mind around today is that Jesus is not only rescuing lives that have been shipwrecked, but he is doing it through his redeemed and rescued people. All right, so what kingdom principle, what God does to you, say what God does to me, he wants to do through me. So a lot of us just stop at, oh, I love what God did to me and in my life. But it doesn't stop there. He wants, to, he wants to take the stuff he's done in you and use you as a vessel through which he can do the stuff in other people's lives. Yes? That's how we become the church, not just gathered but scattered during the week. This is your assignment when you leave this place today is to be a vessel through which God can rescue other people. So let's read the passage. Ready? Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. This is in the book of Acts. Uh, I'll give you a little context in a bit. But he, they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service because as good Jews, this is what you did. You went to the temple and you prayed at 3 o'clock every day. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate 
the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And so this is a... um, This episode happens after Jesus has risen from the grave, after he has commissioned his disciples, after the Holy Spirit has come upon the church and the day of Pentecost has happened, okay, and the believing community, the believers in Jesus in Jerusalem are filled with the Spirit and experiencing the closest thing to revival that they ever have. And now this episode comes with Peter and John basically going through their normal religious routine. But something's about to happen here as they come to this gate that they have been to almost every day. It's a beautiful, a lot of the scholars say this gate in the the entrance to uh, one of the temple courts is called Beautiful Gate because it was made of like very expensive metals like silver and gold and stuff. And so they, they, they walk past this gate every day and this man who is lame from birth, this crippled man, is also there. They've seen him almost every single day, right? Now, this is like you driving uh, down the freeway and going off that exit that you always exit to go home, and you seeing that homeless guy holding the sign every day. And how many of you know that often when we see that happening every day, it's easy to kind of just, you know, like block it out, right? They're just a normal fixture, there's this possible. There comes a point when that need just becomes invisible, right? Like, this is just normal human nature. Like, we want to somehow block out the pain of everything we see going on around us. This is why it's not good for you to always be reading the news. Because the news is right in your back pocket nowadays, on your cell phone, right? Some of you get notifications about all the bad news happening in our world. Let me tell you something. You can't handle emotionally all that bad news. You can't. You know what will happen? You'll grow numb to it. And you'll get desensitized. And I think that's kind of what has happened with people's reaction and response to this man at the beautiful gate who's crippled. People just walk right by him. He's just another fixture. He's just another homeless dude. He's just another crippled guy. And he becomes invisible. And now, look, I want you to see what Peter and John do in the light of this reality. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. This is his normal routine. And look what Peter and John do this time. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Now, if I was a homeless dude begging for money, and you came up to me, and instead of giving me money, you said, look at me, I would be thinking, this dude is weird. What does he want from me? Or what is he about to give me? So this, is, this doesn't happen every day. But the lame man, look, looked at, him, at them eagerly expecting a gift. Of course he would. Now, I love Peter. He's just like, look at us. I don't have any money. Silver and gold, as some of your translations say, have I none. I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. And then he goes, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Yeah. And then Peter, he didn't just say, get up and walk. He said, get up and walk. And then he put his hand out. Let me help you take the first step to getting up and walking. And then... 
He said he took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. And then he jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking, heard him praising God when they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. This is the work of Jesus, not only directly to a lame beggar who was invisible. This is the work of Jesus now working through his people, Peter and John, and his miraculous power coming through them to touch a world that desperately needs his healing. So today, I want to focus on this, this phrase that Peter and John say to this beggar. They say, look, look at us. They call attention to themselves. And it's really interesting because you would expect them to say, hey, blind beggar. Oh, he's not blind, actually. Hey, beggar. Look to Jesus for your healing. Wouldn't you expect them to say something like that? Look to Yahweh, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for your healing. Yes? Something has shifted in the understanding of Peter and John here. The experience they've had at Pentecost has shifted something in their way of understanding who they are in Jesus. Because now that the Holy Spirit has come to live and reside in them and has empowered them, they not only, they don't just see themselves as, you know, people to point the way. They now see themselves as the very residents of God's presence. The Holy Spirit doesn't just live um, in the temple, which is what they grew up learning. He lives within them. And the power and the ministry of Jesus now flows through them. Think back to your life and on your life and how many people God has used to get you on the right track. God, say, God uses people in the best possible way. Yes. So I want you to see what this means. When Peter and John say to the man, look at us, they're not being braggadocious, they're not being prideful, they're actually saying something about God. First thing that they say about God, when they say, look at us, they are saying, the God of all grace is about, or is all about humanizing humanity and restoring our dignity and worth. This man would have never looked anyone in the eye to receive a gift. That was culturally taboo because he was in a lower social status than everyone else. Why? Because he was crippled from birth. So in that society, if you were crippled from birth, if you had a sickness or a defect in your body like that, you were excluded from worshiping in the temple. So this was the closest he could get to God was at the gate. And so and the, the protocol was when people give stuff to you, you don't look at them in the eye. You stay in your place. This is the place society has placed you. And you're dependent on all of us. So don't look at us. In the so when Peter and John say, look at us, what are they saying to him? They're saying, we're not going to treat you like someone who is not a human being made in the image of God. We're going to treat you as somebody that God has humanized, that God has made in his image, and you have dignity and worth. Look us right in the eye. You are worth it. 
And so this man has a choice to receive that claim to his true worth in the eyes of God. And he does. Um, I, I shared with you in our, this past summer when we went to the Philippines, I shared a little bit about how we went to this uh, hospital in the Philippines, the Philippine General Hospital. And you remember the story of a, um, we went there and we gave, we helped, <laughs> spent time with families who were, who had children that had a special form of eye cancer and they were receiving like a, a prosthetic eye for the first time. And I remember when we were there, um, we were about to go in to meet all these families and I, I asked the lady who was in charge, I said, is there anything that we need to know when it comes to connecting and relating with these families? And what she said to us was, she said, listen, don't treat them any differently just because of their condition. She said, treat them with dignity and worth because all their life, all of their young lives, they've been stigmatized because of the way they look. That was kind of the paraphrase of what what she said to us. And so she said, just, just treat them as human beings with dignity. Don't treat them any, like, different just because of, you know, they're needy. <laughs> I thought, what a great piece of advice. So we just went in there. We played with the kids like there was nothing wrong with them, you know. And, uh, and there, you could, it's obvious there's a lot wrong with their eye. It, but it was so wonderful to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, just embracing their humanity, embracing their dignity, adding dignity and worth to them, letting them feel like normal children do. This is what we're called to do as vessels, as people who follow Jesus, as people he wants to use as vessels to touch the world with his love. This is what you're called to do. Where in your world are people being treated less than human? Where in your families are people being treated less than human? It's your job, by the power of the Spirit, to go in there and say, look at us. Look at me. You are worth something in the eyes of God. Come on. All right, second thing. When they say look at us, they're saying, the God of all creation is closer than you think he is. I'm here to tell some of you who feel like God is really far away right now. Because you know what? You interpret the, the, the closeness of God's presence based on all the blessings in your life, <laughs> right? So you're like, hey, man, if things are going good, right, if we're making money, man, if we're, we're, we're enjoying life, if, if there's no problems, which usually that's not the case, but like, you know, my, my favorite team is winning, you know, things are good, then we, we think God is close, right? God is close. But you got to separate that out because sometimes when the bad stuff happens, you know, we, we hang God's, the, the, you know, God's presence, we make that a condition for like, oh, if bad stuff happens and God must not be close. That's, that can be further than the truth. God, like we said earlier, for some of you, you need to realize that God is present with you right here in the middle of your mess, the mess that you made by your own dumb choices. And, and sometimes the mess that you're in because of other people's dumb choices. God is with you in the midst of that, and he's closer than you think he is. This is the, the new reality and the new theology that Peter and John are living in. God lives in us. He's not just with us. He is in us. Don't you know, the Apostle Paul says, that you yourselves are the temple of God and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. When Jesus says it, he says it, if you love me, keep my commands. 
I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. <gasps> really? You do. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you've embraced him and trusted him as Savior and Lord, Jesus says, you know me. And it says not only that, the world that can't know me because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be where? In you. So they're living this out, this realization that God, not only does God's presence fill the whole universe, but there's a, there's a real sense in which wherever you go as a Christian, God goes with you. You are the new location for the presence of God. And when you come alive to that, it'll impact how you think about where you go and what you say and what you do. Let me give you a quote from one of my theolo the favorite theologians in my, um, where I went to school. He said, this guy named Ray Anderson, he's one of those guys, you know, who look like a theologian, right? And when he talked to you, it took you 10 minutes just to figure out what he said, right? Because he's using these $50,000 words and stuff. He said this. I understood this one. He goes, there is no Christ in the world other than the Christ who is present in the form of the Holy Spirit dwelling in persons and empowering them for ministry in witness. Think about it. There is no Christ in the world other than the Jesus who is present in his, you, his people. That's a huge responsibility, isn't it? That's why we encourage you to get to know Jesus. Because you're the, there's an old song that this old gospel group used to sing called, You're the Only Jesus Some Will Ever See. You're the only one they'll, they'll ever see. You're the only Jesus that'll ever, that they'll ever experience. If God is going to do any of his work on earth, it's going to get done through you and through me, and through the community of faith. And watch this. It's not just in the church that his work gets done. His work gets done in the arena of religion. Organized religion. Yes, it does, even though we don't like it. God is, is wanting to get Jesus into organized religion. It and transform it. He wants to get Jesus into the arenas of education. Any educators here? Any teachers here? God wants to use you. you are, the, your classroom is your mission field. You're a missionary in disguise as a teacher. He wants to use you there. He wants to use you in the arena of your family. Which is why we're doing family discipleship in September. Come on out, Friday night. We're going to learn together. We're going to break up into groups and talk about the lesson. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to, get, we're going to do family, what we call family discipleship, because we believe that God wants to use us to reach and grow our families in, in a spiritual sense. He wants to use some of you in the arenas of arts and entertainment. Anybody here in arts and entertainment? Right. Anybody ever want to be? Actors and actresses and musicians and all those people in that industry need to hear about Christ as well. And God is using people to reach people in that industry, his people. He's using people to reach, to, uh, he's sending his people into, into the arena of media. Even as much as we don't like secular media and we're, we're all shaped by it, he's using his people there. He's using his people in the arena of government. Any government officials or former government officials in this room, he's using you there. He's also, some of you uh, own your own business 
or you're involved in some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor, he wants to use you in the arena of your business. Okay, so listen. Stop saying, let me unpack this just a little bit. The next time you think, oh God, when are you going to save this coworker of mine? When are you going to, you know, work in the life of this, you know, person at my job? Maybe, just maybe God's answer to you is, well, you're there. Like, I live in you. Like, they're no closer to me than when you're there in their presence, working with them side by side every day. You see, God wants to use you in that arena of influence to bring his rescue. Amen? <laughs> You're not convinced. <laughs> okay, so let me, let me give you this third point, and then I, and I'll close this up. Peter says, "Look, look at us, because God is ready to give you, Mister Crippled Man. He's ready to give you what you really need, not just what you think you need." The man goes, "Because the man thought that what he needed was what." money. Our culture, it's funny, like, we think the same way today. We think that more money will solve everything. Now, I won't, I won't lie. It makes it easier, doesn't it? <laughs> Come on, let's just be honest. But it's not the solution to the problems, is it? Sometimes we, you know, yeah, man. this dude thought that more money even in his needy state, was really the, the solution to his problems. And Peter and John said, oh, 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 I get it, I get it. We are not going to give you what you think you need. We're going to give you what you really need, which is wholeness. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. That's old King James for, I don't got no dough. I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you Jesus right now. And in his name, rise up and walk. All the money in the world, all the resources in the world cannot meet your deepest needs. Money buys you a lot of good things, right? It can buy an impressive wedding, but it can't buy a good marriage. It can buy a nice house, but it can't buy a happy home. You can buy a good time in whatever arena of human pleasure you want with money, but you cannot buy a life of contentment and fulfillment can buy you good insurance, but not good health. It's the power of Jesus that meets us in our deepest, deepest need. And so they say, in the name of Jesus. I love that. Now, this is not them um, using some kind of magic charm, right? It's like a mantra. In the name of Jesus, ah, magic. No. You know, when they say in the name of Jesus, man, they... They understand that the name is, is symbolic. It means the nature. It means the character of Jesus that they have been up close and personal with for three years. They know this Jesus. And when they say in the name of Jesus, they're not just using it as a magical charm. Because if you're going to use the name of Jesus on your lips, it must be accompanied by the nature of Jesus in your heart. You need to be growing in this. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on your lips. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But victory is consummated by the nature of Jesus in your heart. So Peter says, look at us. 
And, and listen, you need to, for those of you right now who are, you know, life is going real well. You know, I know, Pastor, I'm not really shipwrecked right now. I wouldn't use that to describe my situation. Things are relatively, God's been good. How many of you say, God's been good? Yeah, God's been, most of us in the room, God's been good. God is now saying, I want to pour my goodness through you. Get to know my nature. Get to know my name. Get to know how to use my name by living out my name wherever I've placed you and sent you. And then you can say to people all around you who need the rescue, look at me. I know Jesus. I want to introduce him to you. In the name of Jesus, receive this blessing. In the name of Jesus, let me, give me your hand because I know this is going to be tough for you. I love this. This is a picture of how we are to be and connect with the world that needs rescue around us. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Come on, you can do it. Come on, come on, come on. You can do it. You, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Go. And nothing's happening. Okay. Let me give you my hand. And sometimes that's the hardest part, isn't it? We can say the words, but the minute we extend the hand, it's like, oh, no, that's like time and money and sacrifice and, oh. <laughs> I want to I challenge you because I'm challenged by this as well. It's easy to just go, oh, yeah, God bless you. And drive off. <laughs> it's harder to go, God bless you. Hang on, let me park right now and just, oh, here, extend the hand. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he does. This morning, if you profess to be a Christ follower, God's new address is you. You are his temple. You are his dwelling place. You are his representative. You are a, a channel of his life and power to the world around you. Receive that calling. Embrace that calling. Say, God, teach me how to be a better vessel of your blessing to other people. Teach me how to extend your rescue. Uh, I remember this illustration I heard a long time ago about the Christian faith and the Christian journey. And uh, it kind of goes like this. Like if you were in a, <laughs> we have like a, this is actually a swimming pool, by the way. And we're going to raffle this off in a few minutes. But when I first saw this, I thought it was an actual, like, raft that you put in a pool. It's massive, isn't it, right? I thought, wow, is this, will this thing float? Like, will it really? Just, like, imagine, you know, imagine that me and my son were in this pool, right? And we, and uh, father and son, you know, having a great time. And, uh, but it's, this is like, this is like a life raft, right? And we're in this life raft, and we're floating around in the ocean, and Imagine my son, like, saying, oh, Dad, man, I'm just so, you're so awesome. You're great. I love you, man. You rescued me. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And as we're in the life raft, we're, we're, we're sailing past all these people who are drowning, who are needing help, right? And, and, and my son is just focused on me going, oh, God, Dad, you're just amazing. I love, love how you rescued me. I love how you did that. And then what, what do you think a good father would do at that moment? Be like, yeah, just give me all the praises. Yeah, wasn't that great how I did that? Like, oh, man, yeah, you just, you need to do exactly what I did. So, no, what's a good father doing? Hey, hang on, son. I love your praises. I love how you, you're connecting to me. But there's people over here that need rescue. Hang on, hang on. You want to show your love for me right now? Let's start focusing on getting people rescued in the boat. 
And for some of you, you're looking, what is the next step in my Christian journey? What is the next step? I feel so dry. I feel so blank. You know, the sermons aren't cutting it anymore. The podcast's not cutting it anymore. Well, maybe I'll do that discipleship class. Yeah, absolutely. Do all of that. But for some of you, the next step in your faith journey with Jesus is getting out, is getting out of that perspective of it's all about me and my family and saying, who are the people around me that God is asking me to reach because he loves them just as much? Some of you, some of you need to embrace that calling. I think all of us do, but I'm saying some for a reason. Because some of you, watch this, some of you are not in the raft. Some of you are in the ocean, and you're going, help! It's Shark Week, help! By the way, Shark Week, right? Why are we so drawn to that? It's like we want... Are they going to get eaten? We know they're not going to get eaten, all right? We're like, whoa, this is so fascinating, the hunt, the hunt. Some of you are like swimming in shark-infested waters right now, and you're crying out, and you're going, man, my soul, pastor, needs rescue. And you are not Peter and John in the story. You are the crippled man in the story. And for you today, the Lord has a word. His rescue is here. When Pastor Mike said that word today about how we need to be in the present and listen to the present word of God to us, there is a, bi- a passage in, this, in the Bible that says today. Say today. Today, today means when? Today. <laughs> today, if you hear his voice, do not. Say do not. Harden your heart. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And there's another verse that says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't be thinking, oh, don't be hung up in your past regrets. Let that go. Don't be hung up on what's going to happen tomorrow because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, says Jesus, right? But be present to what God is saying to you right here and now. And respond. Respond. For some of you, you need to be rescued. And Jesus has come. His word to you today is, I'm here reaching out my hand, rescuing you.